Father, this morning, we just want to thank you, Father. And as we sang once again, we want to confess, Lord. There is absolutely nothing that is impossible for thee. Help us to remain in Christ. So that even today will be a day of rest. A day of miracles. A day of victories. A day of triumph. For Lord, what is impossible with man is possible with thee, Lord. Help us to stay under the blood. Stay, remain in Christ. Keep our minds on things that are above so that, Lord, you would have absolute liberty, Spirit of God, to do with us and through us what you want to do. We come at this time and your church here everywhere into thy hands, Lord. Though it is Saturdays, often intense Bible studies, you are able to take our truth, make it simple, and even, even let the little ones understand it, Lord. Because you have something from your table, even for the little ones. And only you are able to do it, Lord. No man is able to do it, but you are. So we commit ourselves into thy hands. Speak to us. Meet us where we need help, correction, change, conviction, strength. It's all from the Father's table. Thank you, thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So we've been looking at over the weeks, probably, from Second uh, Chronicles 7.14. We, we don't need to go there, but that's been the theme for quite some time. Because four things God asked from us. And three things he promises he will do. Like we said, he's not only, nothing is impossible with him. He's also true and faithful to what he says. That if we humble ourselves, we pray, we seek, we turn and we seek four things he asks. Then he will do three things. He will hear, he will forgive, he will heal, restore. Healing is restoration. Please remember, you are ill. You are healed. You are being restored back to the original state. Okay, so that's what. Sometimes after healing, you are better. Like you got COVID, you got healed. Now we're immune. They say the immunity of somebody who's recovered from COVID is better immunity than the vaccines. So you are better. Okay, so you have to realize that. So that's what God does. But remember, the first condition we said, the first condition, if we do not meet the first condition, then even if we do the other three, it simply will not work. Because in religion, everybody prays. Everybody seeks God, one way or other. Right? Everybody, if you think there is no repentance in religion, you are mistaken. Even the Pharisees got repentant. Okay. There was repentance. Okay, so if you think they don't turn from their wicked ways, that's not the first condition. First condition is always the most important condition. The first condition is humble yourself. So last week, over the weeks, but last Saturday, last Saturday was pastor's conference, right? 
Yeah, the week before that, we had looked at why is it so important to humble ourselves. Okay, so important to humble ourselves is one. God will oppose us. We don't mind that. Honestly, as believers, we don't mind uh, the devil against us. Just roll up your sleeves and get ready for a good fight. You don't want God against you. Don't even wish it. Okay, you don't want God opposing you. So, even when we come to study, listen to the word of God. Psalm 138, verse 2. I will worship toward your holy temple, praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. Okay? Why, why do I do all these things? Okay, reason he says, for you have magnified your word above all your name. Why is he doing all that? Because you said. You said it. So I'm just doing what you have said. Remember, I said yesterday, okay? A lot of things which we do, like I said, yesterday we were talking, I mean, the first part of yesterday's message was on forgiveness. I didn't realize it would happen. Just a normal teaching before prayer, but the response I got from so many parts of the world was, you know, sometimes you'd strike a chord which you didn't even realize the things people struggle with. Okay? So I told you forgiveness is not emotion. It's an act of your will. Okay? It's not a part of your will. Everything is not a part of your intellect. It's a part of faith. Why do you forgive? By faith. How do you forgive? By faith. Why do you forgive? Because God said so. If God has said something, you know what? I don't need a second argument. I don't need a second argument. I don't need another reason. Okay? So here is something the psalmist is saying. And the psalmist says here something, one of the most powerful verses in the Bible you have magnified your word above all your name. Above everything else, you have magnified your word. So, when you come to hear the word of God, let it be magnified. Meaning, we are all entitled to our own opinions. But put it away. I feel, I think, put it away. Magnify his word. Magnify his word. You said, one of the reasons God loved David was that whenever God told him something, he had no further opinion. But I feel, I think, nothing. You said, that's it. You said, that is it. Okay, so we will rest our opinions. Okay, you're entitled. We are all entitled to our opinions. Not like the Prince's Island. It's very funny. He will say, I can't help it if I'm right. Moses can't help it if God tells him, right, you are the meekest man on earth. He can't help it. God said it. So when you are standing on the word of God, you believe the word of God, and you speak the word of God, you can't help it if you are right. You want to be right, stick to the word. Okay, so we'll put our opinions. Okay, so over the weeks, Saturdays, we've been looking at, you know, that uh, the difference between grace and law. Law works from outside. Do, 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 do. Grace works from inside. So grace first makes you a new person, a new creation. Then I says, let that person grow so that what you do is because of who you are. It's about becoming somebody. So when God says, be holy, it's because he is holy. Because we are born from above, we are God's children. Like father, like children. Before we got saved, also it was true. Like father, like children. The devil was our father, 
and we were like him. Now that our father has changed, God says, be like me. So we looked at so many things, so many things about God. So many, so many, so many. Okay. And uh, yesterday, uh, last two Saturdays back, we said, be holy. Why? Um, be humble. Why? Because God is humble. So we don't need any other reason. Be humble because God is humble. Be holy because God is holy. Be righteous because God is righteous. So we are not looking at anything other else. Like I said, if you want to look at, I mean, it's a very silly illustration to put with God. But if you want to look at God's character like a pomegranate, you know, inside how many are there? They're all part of the whole thing. That is why it is called the fruit of the Holy Spirit, not fruits of the Holy Spirit. Fruit. These are all facets of God's character. And we are learning and the truth, then trusting on God's grace to make us like him. So today I want you to turn uh, to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. The title will be Be Angry, but do not sin. The Bible does say be angry. You know why? Because God gets angry. God will never ask us to be something which he is not. Is not. Okay. If I stop it, be angry, everybody will be very happy. But that's not what God says. <laughs> God says, be angry, but do not sin. So listen carefully to what the Word of God says. Okay? Be angry, do not sin. Anger is most common, most powerful, constructive or destructive emotion that man can have. Okay? It can be constructive or it can be destructive. So in Ephesians 4.26, God says, be angry and do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. In Matthew 5.22, God says, I tell you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. Okay, rewrite the sentence by saying, be angry. Meaning, be angry with your brother only if you have a cause. Without cause, do not be angry. So looking at it from God's words perspective, God's perspective. One, be angry and do not sit. Two, do not be angry without cause. Or if you are angry, see, be absolutely sure you have a cause. You have a cause. And it is the cause is right. Three, James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Third thing. If you are angry, be very slow to get angry. See, if you study it, you will see God's word will always give us a picture about how to do things the right way. One, be angry, but don't sin. Second, do not be angry without a cause. Or if you are angry, be very sure you have a cause, a genuine cause, a reason. Third, even when you have a genuine cause or a reason, when you are being angry, be slow. Don't be too fast. Don't be swift. Okay. Why? Because the wrath of man 
the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That's why be slow. And be sure about the cause. Because if your anger is the anger of God, it will always produce the righteousness of God. But if your anger is the anger of man, it will not produce the righteousness of God. Okay? It will not produce the righteousness of God. So keep these parameters over there because we are all prone to anger. It is there. Some people, it is a little behind some people. It's the tip of their nose. Saying, we're saying, okay, it's anger is the tip of his nose. And if your nose is large, then it is closer to your companion. God, one of facets of his character. Exodus 32, 9 and 10. The next four verses will go quickly one after another to show that it is not wrong to be angry. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen these people. Indeed, it's a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them and I will make you a great nation. Okay. Did you see that? God is angry. But was he fast to get angry? No. Two years he took. Ten times they rebelled against him. Two years. Same thing. Imagine. Think about yourself as a parent. Your child does the same thing for two years. And you hold your anger. It's impossible, Lord. If I can handle it for two minutes, (laughs) I will think I'm a patient man. right? (laughs) Two years. He held it. Because 38 years they wandered in the in the first two years, they were not wandering because of their rebellion. But two years at Kadesh Barnea, God said, in my anger, I swore you will not enter into my rest. So two plus 38 became 40. But the first two years was a journey. The last 38 years became a wandering because God finally lost it. He said, that's it. Okay. Psalm 78, 31. The wrath of God came against them and he slew the stoutest of them and struck down the choice men of Israel. God was angry. Romans 1.18 For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. John 3.36 He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. He's not aware. He's not aware. But it's like he does, he does not know. This man who does not believe in Jesus does not know in his backpack. There's a time bomb. It's slowly ticking away. He does not know. That the wrath of God abides in him. And when the time is up, it will just blow up. Okay? So God is, gets angry. I'm not saying God is an angry God. That is not his facet. But God is a God who gets angry. Anger is not his, the important part of his character. It is mercy, patience, kindness, love, goodness. These are all the main facet. Holy, this is. But, he gets angry. He gets angry. So don't ever think anger is a sin. No. God gets angry. And in his anger, he has destroyed nations. Okay? Destroyed nation. 
And ultimately what is going to come. Revelation 6 and verse 17. If you fast forward into the future, a day is coming. And the great day of his wrath has come. Who is able to stand? And whose wrath is that? What is that called in the book of Revelation? The wrath of the Lamb. Most funny statement. I have never yet seen an angry lamb. All you want to do with a lamb is take it. I don't know if you ever had lambs. We had. My grandfather had after he retired. All you want to do, once the kid is born, all you want to do is carry it. Carry it. So cute they are. But you want to see, one day the world is going to see the lamb of God that was slain for the sins of the world and the wrath of that lamb who rejected God's mercy and kindness and goodness. So keep that in mind. Okay? So there is our anger of God. An anger that is right and an anger that is wrong. Okay? So Ephesians 4.26 is positive. Okay? What does it say? Be angry. What's the negative part? But do not sin. So the whole question is, Lord, how do I manage this? How do I manage this? It's like a child trying to cook. How does a child cook without burning his or her hands? Because you need fire. You need fire. How do I get angry? Or teach me, Lord. Please remember, though the last words we read was the wrath of the Lamb. The wrath of the Lamb of God is not our ideal. Our ideal is how Jesus lived. In the fullness of the spirit as a man. That's our guideline. To be God, we have no right. To be God-like is, to be Christ-like is our ideal. So keep the wrath of the Lamb away. Just delete it from your memory bank. That is God's prerogative. Okay? So today let's uh, try to dissect biblical anger. And we'll go to an angry man in the Bible. Angry. We'll not pick an ordinary man. We'll pick a man like me or Pastor Vijay, an angry servant of God. We are not an angry servant of God. We mean we'll pick a servant of God so that you all will feel comfortable. Okay. Jonah 3.10, the last verse of Jonah, and then to 4. God saw their works. This is in a way. And they Turned from their evil way and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them and he did not do it. Response of the prophet. It displeased Jonah exceedingly and he became angry. He was greatly displeased. Greatly displeased. Now I will use the word even the little ones can understand. Jonah was very irritated. As I hear it from Siri, Grandpa, you are irritating me. No. All of you understood? No. Jonah was very irritated. Why did Jonah get irritated? Why do we get irritated? Reason? We do something, but we expect Another result. We do something, but we expect 
another result. Our expectations were contrary to the expectations of God. It was not the expectation of God. It was our expectation. So our job primarily is to find out what does God expect in such a such situation and align ourselves to the will and the expectation of God. Okay, That is why it's so important that we are humble. I'll tell you the, the, the advantage and the disadvantages. Advantage of being humble and the disadvantage of not being humble. If you, if I, you and I are not humble, he will not teach us. He will not guide us. So he is not teaching us. Who is teaching us? He is not guiding us. Who is guiding us? Who's guiding us? You know, one of the, the biggest problems believers, not the world, world is not even bothered about these things, uh, caught in is that believers start or do things and then they are burdened under it. And often they are never able to complete it because God never started it with them or through them. Because God could not speak to them or guide them simply because they were proud. Like we keep saying, and it is true, God is under no burden to finish anything that he did not start. So if God cannot teach me, and he cannot guide me, ultimately it is my flesh and my intellect, which are both easily manageable by the enemy. Because he is perfect in wisdom, and is full of pride. So please, please remember. Okay, please remember. Why is it so important? So important. Okay. So, Jonah did something which God asked him to do. And the result was according to God's expectations. But that was not his expectation. So when the result was contrary to his expectations, he is very irritated. Look at the example in the Bible, Mark chapter 3. He entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. He said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Step forward, he was come to the front. There are certain things which Jesus will not do in secret. It will be done only publicly. Step forward. Then he asked them a question. You are all under the law? You are under the law? I am under the law. We are all under the law. I am a born of a woman under the law. You are all born of women under the law. We are all under the law. Let me ask you a question from the law. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? See, one lawyer was there. I still want to meet him in heaven if he reached there. He got the right answer about the law. What does the law say? He says, this is the law. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor with yourself. He understood what the law meant. So Jesus is asking, what, what, do you, what do you think? What's your interpretation of law? And I know you're upset because today is Sabbath. Today is Sabbath. So what? what is the purpose of Sabbath? Okay. Is it good, it's right to do good on Sabbath or to do bad on Sabbath? 
to save life, to destroy life. And they kept silent. They kept silent. So what did he do? Verse 5. He looked around at them with anger. Anger. And greed by the hardness of their hearts. He looked at it with anger. And he looked at their hearts. You see, they both were, all of them were under the same law. But the law had made his heart compassionate and tender. The law had made their heart hard. The Bible says the law is holy. There's absolutely no fault with the law. The law came from God. But the question is, what has it done to your heart? Have you understood the spirit of the law? Because their hearts were hardened, therefore the expectations were different. Expectations were different. Therefore, when God did under the law, in compassion, an act of mercy, they were so angry. While he was angry at the hardness of their hearts. Why are you irritated? Why are you angry? Look at verse 6. It is interesting. Oh, I didn't give you verse 6. Okay, if I didn't give you verse 6, leave it with us for later on, if we have time. Okay, we'll come to verse 6 later. Okay. Their expectation and his expectation are completely different. Completely different. Though they are all under the same law. Observing the same Sabbath. Because they do not have the will of God in their hearts. So here is Jonah. Here is Jonah. Let me ask you, what is the purpose of preaching? So that people will repent. When people repent, why are you upset? Why are you upset? Or you only want a certain kind of people to get saved. I always have this, always have this question, no, of what Jesus said, no? I mean, Jesus' time it was, it was easier because he preached, he died, he rose again, he went. After that only the church began. But if Jesus had started a church, it would have been full of harlots and tax collectors. Imagine if our church is full of that kind of people. Would we be comfortable? Would we be comfortable with that kind of a company? That's what Paul's statement, I made myself a bond servant. What kind of people were you? Adulterers, murderers, sodomites, idolaters. He says, I'm your servant. Okay. So that's the thing which God is talking about. God's expectations and our expectations sometimes don't match. And we get irritated. We get angry. He got angry. But you know what? God is being true to himself. That is who he is. Go to Jonah 4 again. Jonah 4, 1 and 2. Jonah 4, 2 is that. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Our Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously. He is now giving reasons for his disobedience. Therefore, I pled previously to Tarsus, for I know that you are a gracious and a merciful God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing. So why are you angry? God is not acting contrary to his nature. You should be, you should be saying, well, I was right. This is what God is. He did what he always does. 
Did you see that? God is being true. God is being true. Let us say, let us say for an example. On your right side is a Hindu. On your left side is a Muslim. And the Hindu is doing extremely well. Muslim is doing even more better. Are you upset? But God says his rain falls on everybody. Why are you upset? Why are you upset? Right? They, though he may call upon his gods, he may call upon his gods, but you know blessing comes from your God. So you know, you know what? God is being true to himself. Hallelujah. See, we need to have a right picture of God. Otherwise, we will get irritated and angry like Jonah. Jonah is upset. He is angry. He is irritated. Why? Because God is faithful to his own character. Think about it. God may not respond as we think he should. But we will be absolutely sure he will always be faithful to respond the way he said he would. If my people who are called by my name, because when it is said, it is said when the temple is being sanctified, consecrated in Israel, right? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will pray, will seek and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear, I will forgive, I will heal their land. It was said to Israel in Israel. So if a Gentile takes it, God will not hear it. The Gentile is doing, God's name is not upon them. But the Gentile is doing exactly what he called Israel to do. God says, I will hear you. Because I am the God of the God of... The Gentile doesn't know I am their God. But I am still God. Because there is only one God. So that's why he says in Romans 2, if those Gentiles who do not know the law, but have an idea of the law, and they obey the law, then they will be judged accordingly. They will have mercy. Though they did not know the law. So here is a Gentile nation. They hear Israelite prophet. And what Israel won't do, they do. They do. Honestly, I'm telling you, sometimes I'm absolutely shocked when I get these letters of non-Christians who are listening, like yesterday. Yesterday, okay? And this person is not a Christian. Okay, became a Christian probably yesterday or but for over a year he's been listening to all of our messages. A Muslim lady. If you realize the faithfulness and the commitment of a Gentile to the living God, we will be shocked at our lack of interest. That they don't miss a single message seven days a week. And they listen carefully. And then when they turn, the outpouring of the Spirit upon them, we should not get upset. We should not get upset. We should not get upset. Let me tell you, you go through the Bible, you go through the Bible, and you look at the national repentance of Israel from the beginning till the end. I will tell you, Israel never repented the way Nineveh repented. That even the babies were not allowed to drink or eat, nor the animals. 
They did not know the full law. So you know what? They went the whole nine yards. Even the animals were covered in sackcloth. And even the animals were not allowed to eat or drink. Because they did not understand this was not meant for the animals. So you know what? Like I said, if you don't understand the spirit of the law, go by the letter. And you know what? Never in human history has a revival taken place like the way it took place in Nineveh where every man, every woman, every child turned. Entire city turned. So don't get surprised. Don't get surprised. Don't get shocked. When Gentiles do the things that is required of us and don't get upset and angry and irritated. You know why? Because you know how much it took God to get Jonah to repent? The extreme lengths God had to go to put him literally in the belly of a fish in the bottom of the sea before this man would repent and look at a Gentile nation. So God says, be very sure why you are irritated, why you are angry. Don't get angry when God is doing what he is. He is. That's who he is. He's gracious. What do you expect God to be when a nation repents? To be mad? I don't care. You are Ninevites. I'm going to destroy you. That's contrary to God's nature. When a Hindu repents, when a Muslim repents, and God pours out his mercy and spirit upon them, we should we get mad? But Lord, I have been a Christian for so long. I have been attending church. God said, yes. But look at his heart and look at your heart. You are still turning and not willing to turn. You are stubborn as a mule. This words, the word of God says, from the king to the lowest slave in Nineveh, everybody turned. Everybody turned. Don't be surprised. and Don't be angry. Do not be irritated. Don't be, be very cast. Lord, why am I irritated? Why am I displeased? Why am I angry? Do I have real reason? Because you are being true to yourself. I should be excited. Instead, I'm irritated. I should be excited. Instead, I am irritated. Jonah 4, 2 to 3. From irritation, he moves to next level. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Did you see that? Therefore, yeah, two and three. Let me have two and three together. Can I have it together? He prayed. Look at him. Okay, you'll understand the heart of the prophet. He said, Our Lord, not our Lord God, thou was, not that song. He's singing a different song. Okay, what I said, when I was still in my country, therefore I fled, for I know. And then we come to verse three. Yeah. Therefore, please take my life, for it is better for me to die. It's all about himself. All about himself. His ministry was not about God. His ministry was about himself. We need to be careful as believers. Because God all has committed everyone some ministry. And the ministry does not go our way. But actually goes God's way. Don't get upset. 
God, get upset. You know what? Jonah had this idea. Okay, finally, okay, I will go preach. And I'm going to preach. And they are not going to repent. God is going to destroy. Then he's going to go back to Israel. And he said, you know what? What I did single-handedly? <laughs> Do you know what God did through me? Single-handedly, God has destroyed the enemies of Israel through my hand. That was what he wanted, his testimony. It didn't work that way. So please be very sure our ministry is not about ourselves. It is about him. It is about him. Because when it goes contrary to our expectations, run back to God and ask God, was this what you always wanted? Always wanted? Okay. This, uh, it is uh, Psalm 35, 8, you know, where uh, David humbles himself, right? Yeah. Can I, I did not give it. I just want to go just, just an aside. It's still, I mean, not, it doesn't irritate me. Makes me uncomfortable. Okay. Or rather convicts me. Uh, it's not the Psalm 25, 8, 25, which is the one where he says, I humble my soul, soul with fasting. Oh Lord, this is my memory bank. Pastor Vijay. Huh? 35-13? Yeah, 35-13, 35 not 8, 35-13. Okay. As for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting. Now go to verse 11 and 12 and 13. You will be shocked. Unbelievable this man is. Fears, witnesses rise up. They ask me things that I do not know. They reward me evil for good to the sorrow of my soul. Verse 13. But as for me, when they were sick, not when I was sick. When they were sick. He says, you know what these enemies of mine? You know what I have always done for them? I have always fasted and prayed for them. What a man. What a man. What a man. So he was not a man who rejoiced when his enemies were destroyed. He was a man who wept when his enemies were destroyed. You know why? Because you knew it was not God's desire that Saul and Jonathan and others should have died. God, it is not God's will that any man should perish. Any man perish. So here is he, irritated all about himself. I, me, myself. Now I didn't have my way. I have no face to go back to. I just want to die. Look at verse 5 to 9, Jonah. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on a sackcloth, on the greatest to the least. The word came to the king of Nineveh. He rose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, sat in ashes. He caused it to be proclaimed, published throughout in a way by the decree of the king. His nobles let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. Let man, beast be covered with sackcloth. Cry mightily to God. Automatically, if you don't feed and uh, drink, the cattle will start crying. And they all must have cried mightily in a way. Let everyone turn from his evil way, from the violence that is in his hand. 
Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Do you see that? What was told in Second Chronicles 7.14? Here is Nineveh doing. What did they do? They fasted, they prayed, they sought, and they turned away from their wicked ways. What do you expect God to do? And why are you upset? Why are you upset? Why are you upset? Okay. Why are you upset? So God is saying, you see what happens is, if you look at Jonah 4, 2 and 3, we, look, we read it, 4, 2 and 3, is that when you are irritated and upset because it didn't go the way you wanted, but it actually went the way God wanted and you are angry actually with God, you know what you do? You become an introvert. You become an introvert. You're not withdrawing from the world. That's a good thing. You're withdrawing from God. And now all your anger is directed against God. Genesis 4, 6 and 7. The first question outside the garden after man's fall. The first question is, why are you angry? Why are you angry? The other four questions were inside. But the first question outside is, why are you angry? If you do well, will you not be accepted? So the question God is asking Cain is there. When you are angry, always ask, do you have a cause? Did you do what is right? Did you do what is right? Jonah, you did what was right. I told you to preach this message. You preached the exact message. Now, why are you upset about the response? You did what was right, right? You didn't change the message, no. You preach exactly what I told you to do. Response is not in your hands. It's in my hands. Why are you upset at the response? And you say, I know you. Well, you know me. So why are you upset about the response? The response is exactly the way I am. Okay. Okay. We need to be very careful. Because what happens is when people get angry, when people get displeased, irritated, angry with God, anger is with God, one of the things they will become is that they become introverts. Being an introvert from the world is not a bad thing. But what they do is that they become an introvert from God. That's basically what he's saying. I don't want to live, I want to die. I want to live. I want to to die. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Jonah 4-5. From irritation to he becomes an introvert. And verse 5. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. Nothing has happened. They have repented. But he's still hoping. Heart within the heart. Still God may destroy them. What did he do? He preached in the city. Now he went out of the city. On the east side of the city. Made a shelter. And sat under in the shade. 
What do you call it? He isolated himself. Even children do it. And they don't get their way. They go in the corner and sulk. That's all they do. What is Jonah doing? He's sulking. He's not in the city. He's gone outside the city. People sulk. They isolate. They go silent. They give the cold treatment. Let me see if you will change your ways. This is not righteous anger. This is called self-righteous anger. You're giving God or man, whichever way, the cold shoulder. Remember the old nursery rhymes? I don't know. Do you anyone know old nursery rhymes? The difference between old English nursery rhymes and current English nursery rhymes is that Old English nursery rhymes always had a scriptural intent behind it because the people who wrote even nursery rhymes were believers. Okay? Peace pudding, hot. Peace pudding, cold. Peace pudding in the pot, nine days old. Some like it hot. Some like it cold. Some like it in the pot, nine days old. You know what it is talking about? It's actually talking about anger. Some blow their top. Some are very cold. Keep it. Some will put it deep inside. They will not show it for a long time. One of my theses in Iflu was the reading of nursery rhymes. Not reading nursery rhymes, the reading of nursery rhymes. Understanding what was behind these nursery rhymes. Okay. There's another song which I sing for the you guys may not know. When the little ones come them, I sing for them. No? Sing a song of sixpence, a pocket full of rye. Four and twenty blackbirds baked in the pie. When the pie was opened, set before the king. Where was the king? The king was in his counting house counting out his money. The queen was in the parlor eating bread and honey. The maid was in the garden hanging out the clothes and there came a blackbird and pecked off her nose. When I sing it to them, they love it. You know what it's talking about? What is the king doing? Counting money. What is the queen doing? Eating bread and honey. What is the poor maid doing? Hanging out the clothes. And whose nose did the blackbird take off? Her nose. Not the king or the queen. The injustice in society. Okay, so here it is. Man, sulking, giving God the cold treatment. Ask yourself whether you are a child or an adult, married person, man or woman, when you don't have your way, you are irritated because it didn't happen the way you wanted with God or with man at home. What do you do? Do you isolate? cold shoulder. Did you see what's happening in the city? You see what's happening in the The greatest revival, one of the greatest revival ever recorded is happening. You know what Jonah did? He stopped preaching. He stopped preaching. He's not verbally angry. Just gone inside. 
preaching. He should be right in the middle of the city. Instead, he's outside the city. You know what people do personally? When apply it personally, when people don't get their own way with God or man, you know what happens? We stop reading the Bible. We stop praying. We stop fellowshipping. Husbands stop loving their wives. Wives stop submitting. Children stop obeying. And sheep stop following. Why? And irritation. First you go to become an introvert. And then you isolate. That's why God says, be angry. Do not sin. Do not sin. While the entire city of Nineveh is getting it right. Getting it right with God. The man of God is falling away. What a contradiction. Think about it. The church is being revived. Pastor is falling away. The only way they can know about this God is through Jonah. There's nobody there who knows anything about God. First time they hear a message, they repent. And repent from their core. And because they repent, he's upset. The people are being revived. The pastor is falling away. Because it simply did not happen the way he it happened. That's what I said. When you humble yourself, God is able to speak to you. So that you know what is God's will in this situation. And when it happens that way, and even if it is not what you wanted, because you know it is what God wanted, you are able to rejoice. Let me tell you, going to the cross was not a very happy thing for Jesus. He fought with it in the garden of Gethsemane until his blood vessels were popping and he was bleeding blood. But once he understood this was the will of God, he went ahead and happily died. That's not what he wanted. Because he said, not my will. But your will be done. But once you understood the will of God, and this is your will for the Lord, I go with it 100%. Like I said, I've given this illustration many times. The eldership of the Baptist church had met because they were renovating the church, the compound and all, and there was this one big tree. And this elder, they were, had to, wanted to cut that tree down. And the elder was very sentimentally attached to whatever, whatever reasons. Now you have this. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. So he fought vehemently during the meeting that the tree should not be cut. But he was overruled because the board voted and the majority said the tree has to be cut and we will cut it tomorrow. So next day when the church came together, he was the first there and he had brought his saw. She said, what? He said, now that you have gone with it, I will be the first to help through. I didn't have my way, but I understand by the way it went, this is what God wants. So why should I be? Opposed to what God wants. Okay. That should have been his reaction. We, like I said in the beginning, we are all entitled to our own opinions. But once you know about God's opinion about something, it is contrary to your opinion. Go with your full heart and say, Lord, I am with you all the way. I am with you all the way. 100%. I will not isolate myself. I will not isolate myself. I'll be there right in the middle of this thing, Lord. I'll be part of your program. Because in any way is repenting. You know what he should have done? He should have been in the midst, standing there in the marketplace and teaching them. Teaching them. Like Priscilla and Aquila did. 
Apollos came and he was a powerful speaker. He spoke and they all thrilled. And then they took him and said, you know what? Because he did knew only the baptism of John. He did not a baptism of the Holy Spirit. They went, took him to the home and taught him even more about the right way. So that when Apollos went after that, he's preaching even more powerfully. That's what he should have done. He should have started a church in Nineveh. First Pentecostal church of Nineveh. He could have named it. He was not a Pentecostal, so he was a Baptist. So he could have told him first Baptist church of Nineveh. <laughs> Pentecostals came only after the... <laughs> he could imagine what he could have done in Nineveh. He could have given his personal testimony. You know, I want to tell my testimony. I was a rebel. Worse rebel than you. You rebel because of ignorance. But I rebelled in my knowledge. I went against God. I fled from God. And God pursued me. He put me in the valley of a bale. I was there. From there I cried out. And you know what? He was very gracious to me. I should have been destroyed. He did not destroy me. The whale brought me here. Go in the opposite direction. I had to pay a fare. To come in the right direction, it was free. And here, he should have talked about the mercy and the grace of God from his personal testimony. He said, he's mad. He's mad. He should have told him, you know what? I have my personal experience. God is a God of a second chance. A third chance, a three chance. You know what? I understand. You don't know my God. God is showing you mercy. Let me explain to you. He's more than what you ever will know or think about. This is my God. He's merciful. He's kind. He's loving. He's gracious. You should have taught them. Instead, he isolated them. Simply because his prayer was answered not the way he wanted. That's what I'm telling you. God always answers prayers. Either it is yes, it is no, or it is wait. If the prayer is contrary to what we expected, how will we respond? How will we respond? Is the question. We'll be angry. He's displeased, the Bible says. And he was very angry. And the rest of it, what you see, is his response to God's ways. That's why God says, be angry. Be angry. But do not sin. Or, second thing, be slow to be angry. But third thing, do not be angry without a cause. Ask yourself, why am I angry? Why am I angry? Jonah 4, 6, and then 7 to 11. And Lord prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful. And I will use the term very happy. Very happy. Let's read from verse 7 onwards. As morning dawned, the next day God prepared a worm, worm, so it damaged the plant that it withered. It happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind. The sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? He said, it is right for me to be angry, even to death. The Lord said, you have had pity on the plan for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came upon in a night and perished in a night. And should I not have pity on you in a way? 
that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between the right hand, the left, and much livestock. Four chapters of Jonah. Only once it is written, Jonah is happy. You know when Jonah is happy? Jonah is happy when he is comfortable. The only time he is happy is when his flesh is fed. That's the only time he is happy. That's what God is talking about. God is telling him, do you know what? Jonah, you are not only irritated, you are all in the wrong manner, you are an introvert, and you have isolated yourself. You are totally insensitive. You are so worried about your comfort. And you get so angry that the plant has withered. And you are not bothered about 120,000 people. Not only that, because they don't know the truth, you could have gone in right there and told them, hey, the God of Israel does not ask animals to fast. Feed them. Animals cannot be saved. They have no soul. Poor people, you don't understand it. Feed your animals. Give them grass to eat. Take the sackcloth from their back. And the livestock. You're not even bothered about it. Shade gone, you're upset. You're upset. That's what God is talking about. You know? He says, do we realize how insensitive we are sometimes in our complaints to God? Okay? Remember that's that beautiful saying about, I complained, I had no new shoes until I saw the kid who had no feet. Had no feet. No feet. And think about our complaints. That's what God is saying. Believers can get so insensitive. That's what I told the children. You know, that you went to two homes, juvenile homes, and told Siri also. There's no difference between you and them. I said, you were picked off the street, given to us. So you're sitting at our table, eating with us, just like a normal child. They, the little ones, were also picked off the streets just like you, by social workers, and put over there. Be grateful. Be grateful. Don't get angry, because she has a temper issue, but that's with her special needs. But, I said, don't get angry. It's not good. Be grateful. Let me ask you this question. Why should we be sitting here to save? Why should the people sitting here and we sitting there? What did we do, what did we do to get saved? Nothing. I have mercy on whom I have mercy. There are only two kinds of vessels, ultimately. Vessels of mercy, vessels of wrath. It is by God's mercy I did not become a vessel of wrath. So what is there to be upset about? What is there to be upset about? And this pertains to everything else. God says, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Because it's so easy for us to be insensitive. 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 Because when we are insensitive, when we are so com- concerned about our comfort and we get irritated because our comfort is being taken away, you know what? We are absolutely blind to the needs of others. And therefore God cannot give us a ministry. Because the gospel is always to the poor, the broken hearted, the captives. That's what I said. Everybody in the world fasts. But they fast for their own self. 
God said, that is not the fast that I have ordained. That is not the fast that I have ordained. That is why I keep telling, you have to read scripture and ask God, change me from within because I don't want to be the old man. Because the word of God is very clear. Why people work in the world and why we work in the world is different. And even the children sitting over here, the Nazarene and Sarah and Abigail and Nanolikir, why they study and we study are different. Why do you, why do people study? So they can get a job. Right? Why do they want to get a job? So that they can make money and live comfortably. No, that's not what the word of God says. We work so that we can earn money, so that we have something to give away. So that means that's the reason we study. Why do you study? I study so that one day God will give me an appointed job so that my life can be an offering to him to help others. You keep that in your studying, your entire motive will go. Change completely will change. That's why I am studying. That is why I am studying. The reason I am studying is that, yes, in today's world, you need education, you need technical skills, you need all kinds of soft skills, whatever you call it, you need all these skills to get a good job. And I want a good job. I want a good earning job. Because the more I make, the more I can give. The more I can make. Change from within. You see, when your motivation changes from within, what happens is there is always an inflow coming from above which will keep you going. But when your motivation is from yourself and not from God, it is the old man. The minute you are secure, everything dies off. Lord, I pray, Lord, please break through, Lord. I have no job. Lord, give me a job, give me a job. You get a job. Get a good job. After that, if you look at most people, the attendant becomes scanty to church. They don't pray. They don't read their Bible because what they wanted was for themselves. So it is over. It just dies off. And we don't realize our heart is the heart of Jonah. We have become insensitive. And how can God commit more into our hearts when we are insensitive to the things that is right before our eyes? That's what God is talking about. Talking about. That's why God is not asking us to do things. God is asking us to become somebody first. In his nature, in his nature. Otherwise, what will happen? He will through, when we actually fast, and we actually humble ourselves before God, and we actually seek his face, he will show what we really are. It's direct prince who said, God will not reveal your heart to yourself in one time, because you would be so disgusted. He reveals your heart little by little by little so that you can change. Because if God were to show the nature of your heart, you will puke. That's how filthy, how sick we are. It is all about me. All about me. And to protect ourselves from that is what God said. Do this in secret. Do this in secret. Do this in secret. Why? To protect you. To protect you. Otherwise, it will feed your flesh. Because we are more concerned about our comfort, our success, our happiness, than we are about God's concern. That's why in the founding fathers of the U.S. were such great men, godly men. But one place they went wrong. When they wrote that, what you call it, the preamble to their constitution, they wrote one line, pursuit of happiness. 
Oh, if their words had been different, pursuit of holiness and the will of God, it would have been a different story altogether. Altogether. So remember, it has. And we as a church cannot change. Because when we started, God gave us the founding statement. In all things, Christ Jesus shall have preeminence. In all things mean all things. All things. So when you hear a no from God or from your pastor, don't get upset. When your pastors say no, it is simply, it's because they see something which you don't see. That you're pushing yourself to the front. Pushing yourself to the front. And we made a commitment to God. In our church, Lord, you will have preeminence. And no man, no woman. No man. We do make deliberate choices. Otherwise, you just ask me. Let me ask me this question. You're all YouTubers, right? Go and check YouTube worship of any church. How many churches will you find where the worship team is standing against the wall where they are hardly visible? Why do we put you there? Because we have to be true to our statement. Practically, we have to be true to our statement. Do you know that there is a spotlight right above the pulpit, but we never put it on? Because the light should not be on the preacher. The light should be on the message. What all we can practically do within our capacity to remain true to the word of God, we have to do. We have to do. We have to do. We have to do. Otherwise, he will not be able to guide us further. Thus far and no more, he shouldn't say. shouldn't tell about Israel. I can only bring you thus far. I can't take you anymore. Because you know what? You are a stiff-necked people. You know what stiff and naked mean? It means you are stubborn. You cannot be moved. My opinion. That's why I said in the beginning... We all are entitled to our opinions. Put it down. Let's magnify God's word. Because stubbornness is iniquity. It's idolatry. That's what it means. Idolatry means, can you move an idol? No. Even a laughing Buddha has to be carved into his face. And he's forever laughing. And after that he doesn't do anything. He's so stubborn in his laughing. Tell him to look angry. He can't. Because he's an idol. That is what stubbornness is. First Peter chapter three verse nine. Oh, oh, oh. second Peter three nine. Okay, we know it is not God's will that any man should perish. It's not God's will any man to perish, but is long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If that is God's will. God's will. If that is God's will, shouldn't we be excited? Let me tell you. I'm not holier than thou, but I'm telling you as a pastor from missions, ministry, what excites me. You had your juvenile home through this thing and I was listening. Okay, that's the same. The thing excited me, you know what? Was in the boys' home when Pastor Vijay was praying. The boys at the back, tears were flowing when he asked them to repeat the prayer. That was the only thing that excited me. Because they are in the, they are juvenile, murder, whatever they have committed. When he was praying, and I took, told him also specifically, Pastor Vijay, please lead them, lead them in that. In that, give it everything you can. And he did it, and God did something. Tears were flowing down. And you know what? We are excited. You know why? People are repenting. Like I said, we are not in the entertainment business. 
They will forget it very fast. Because another group will come and they will entertain them better. Please understand this. One of the things which I have learned, personally learned, is that I'm telling you, when it comes to music, we can't beat the world. We can, but we will not. They have better music, better instruments, better money, better studios, better voices, better tunes, better everything. But they don't have the anointing. Where we supplant them in all that is the anointing. So those who sing, those who worship, those who, though you should be the best you can be, you're ultimately dependent. So you should do everything to see that. I am a vessel through which the anointing flows because that is what the world does not have. The devil is perfect in beauty, perfect in wisdom, rich, all that he had. But when the Son of Man came, he did not say any of those things. What he said is, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me. That's the first statement he makes. He's, he's not even perfect in beauty. He's all beautiful. He's all wisdom, all knowledge, all power. He's all. Because the fullness of God dwelt in him. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying the anointing of God. So to the people in the church, you know what? You, we need to have a completely different mindset. Completely different mindset. Lord, without your anointing, it's pointless. Help me wherever you sent me to minister. Whichever set, Lord, help me to be a channel of your anointing. Because it's the anointing where that sets the captives free. And you know where for the anointing comes? We need to humble ourselves. We need to fast. We need to pray. We need to seek. We need to constantly turn. You know what happens? We become a vessel. And you know what? When those boys cry, we are successful. When those children cry, we are successful. Because God used us to touch them. Maybe we don't go there again. But if you managed to put across the name of Jesus and the Spirit of God convicted them, I am telling you, if they call upon the name of Jesus, God will move heaven and earth to change them. And to bring them out. And I've seen it happening over and over and over and over. When man said it was impossible. The law said it was impossible. God has set the captives free. God has set the captives free. But that's our whole idea. This is not about ourselves. We are not in Jonah's ministry. We are in Christ's ministry. And for that there is only one way. We humble ourselves. We humble ourselves. We do not react like him. We do not get irritated. We do not become an introvert from God and from God's people. We do not isolate ourselves from God and the things of God. And we do not become, Lord, never, never become insensitive. Insensitive. Sometimes I ask God, why did he call me into this ministry in which I am? That I can do nothing. Well, let me tell you, just... Just plainly, so that you don't have to get the details. I can't do anything in the secular realm, you know that? Even if I try to do something secular, personal, let us say a business deal I try doing. Instead of the business deal, do you know what I am doing day and night, trying to get them into the kingdom of God? All I am doing is ministering to them. The business is forgotten, the deal is forgotten, everything has gone out of the window. For weeks together, day and night, fasting and praying for these people to be delivered. That's all that's happening. 
And I asked Lord, what is this? Lord says, do not be insensitive. There are certain things which only you can do right now. And I'm calling you for that. And do it. Let's do it. Lord, but what about the breakthrough? He says, don't worry about the breakthrough. Take care of this first. Don't worry about it. Take care of this. Don't be insensitive. Don't be insensitive. Okay, because there is a, there is a broken world all around us. And we become introverts because we are obsessed with our own comfort, our own pleasure, our own joy, our own breakthroughs. God is not able to use us. Then our ministry becomes the ministry of Jonah. It is not the ministry of Jesus or the ministry of Paul. It's interesting what it says in Jonah 4, 6, and 7. I read it again and I read it before earlier. And I laughed. God prepared a plant. God prepared a worm. God prepared a east wind. God is the word of preparation for everything for us. He'll prepare a plant for us, a shade. Then he'll prepare a worm to come and eat. Then he'll prepare a wind to come and blow it away. God is working for his people day and night to confirm us to the image of his son. I will do whatever I can to make you look like my son. Don't be upset. There are prepared worms. Okay? There are prepared plans. Prepared breakthroughs. Then a prepared worm that comes and takes the breakthrough away. And then you are upset. Why did it happen? God said to show you. You're upset? So many people come and say, Pastor, it comes so close and it goes away. There's much, many a slip between the cup and the lip. The question is not whether it is slipped away. The question God is asking, when it slipped away, how did you react? See, when this cup slips away from my hand, it goes to somebody's hand, right? How did you react? How did you react? See, we forget for primary purpose of salvation. God is confirming us to the image of his son. That is becoming somebody. Everything else is secondary. Everything else is secondary. So the message of the book of Jonah is not that the city of Nineveh repented. The other side of the city is so difficult to change a prophet. Let me ask you all this question. You all have witnessed it. Is it easier to preach to congregation or to the pastors? Do you know how difficult it is for Saturday? <laughs> Stubborn, stiff-necked some of them are, will never change. And not even sensitive about on their own corrupt nature. Will lie through their teeth. Will eat till it comes out of their eyeballs. And will take the offering with when they are nobody and go away. <laughs> Did you get it? It is so easy to preach to people. Further away you go from the city to the countryside, it becomes easier and easier and easier and easier. Far away they're from the world, they receive the word of God. 
One of the things I have always learned now in mission is never to tell in mission ground in the countryside, I am always available. You will not know at what time they will come. Because they believe you and they are thirsty. Before you woken up, they are standing there. No, Pastor, you said you are available. I have a doubt. <laughs> I have even pictures of people in the village going back with their Bible because they came too early. I said, just give me a time to change. hunger, the thirst. So these are targeted incidents in our lives. Isaiah 58 verse 6. Is this not the fast that I have chosen to lose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is that the purpose? People around us are all bound. They don't know it. Don't go tell them. He says. Don't go tell them. Just fast for them. Fast for them. And when they come to you, because you have to be very careful now, when they come to you, say, can I pray with you? Can I pray for you? In the name of Jesus, can I pray for you? They're not fasting for ourselves, other than to hear from God clearly. We're fasting for others. Or we are like Isaiah 58 verse 4. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate, and strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. See, there were two voices. There were two voices. Forty days. Repent. Otherwise, Nineveh will not be here for forty days. That was the voice of God. Repent. If you repent, Nineveh will be there after forty days. But there was another voice, the voice of Jonah. Don't repent. Even if you repent, you will not be there. You wanted your voice to be heard on high. It did not happen your way. Now you are upset. So don't be upset after 21 days. If you are fasting for yourself, nothing will change. Nothing will happen. Don't get upset. Don't get upset. Right? What should make us happy? But Jonah 4, 6 is Jonah was happy. Jonah was happy. Right? Jonah was very happy about the wine. Where in the Bible does it say that God was very happy and all of heavens broke into rejoicing when you got your pay hike, when you got your promotion, when you bought a new car, when you bought your new house, when you got your, promo, your good marks. Where does the Bible say? It says heaven broke into joy when one sinner repents. So why is he not able to be happy? Why is he happy over a shade, his comfort, while he's not happy over 120,000 repented? So let me ask you this question. Honestly, ask ourselves, including me, ask ourselves this question. Do we get more excited when we receive material blessings or when sinners repent? Search our hearts. What excites us? What makes us happy? What makes us happy? What makes us happy? Think about it. How different are we from Jonah? Well, the Bible three times in three consecutive parables, Jesus says about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. He's all talking about the rejoicing in heaven over one sinner. Now, if you think about it, let us say there is seven billion people on earth. 
What does one man matter in seven billion? But when that one man out of seven billion turns, there is fireworks in heaven. Fireworks in heaven. And we should be happy for the real reasons. The true reasons. Yes, be happy when you get these things. Thank God. More than happy, be thank God. Thank you, Lord. You are a faithful God. I just want to thank you for your faithfulness. But Lord, real joy should be set apart for real things. Eternal things. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Otherwise, we are just like Jonah. One shade, very happy. 120,000 repentance, very angry. What a man. Do we see in the mirror something like Jonah in us? Verse 7 and 8. As morning dawned, we know that. Okay. He wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to love. What does it mean? Look in terms of chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, and then you will understand 4, 7 and 8. I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay you what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to fish. It vomited Jonah onto the dry land. All these great songs from the bottom, it's coming. Right? Thanksgiving, joy and all. Okay, right? You repented and I saved you. They repented and you are upset, ungrateful servant of mine. Where is your gratitude? Where is your gratitude? Do you see that? Where is your gratitude? Where is your... That's why we have to be very, very careful. Like I keep saying, you know, never forget where God picked you from. Never forget where God brought you from. Never forget where you were heading before God changed the course of your life. Don't forget it. In the midst of your current problem, don't forget. That's the question, angel of the Lord, A capital, tells Hagar. Hagar, where are you coming from? Where are you going? No, my mistress is very bad. My pastor is very tough. I'm looking for another church. Where are you coming from? Where are you going? Do you know that it is entire land that's the only house that knows me and you're running from that house? Because your current problem, you have forgotten the big picture. Forgotten the very big picture. Forgotten the big picture. Thank God she obeyed and went and submitted to her sister. Therefore, there is Islamic nations still blessed because Hagar obeyed. And Ishmael was born in that household. And according to Abraham's prayer, materially, physically, God said, I will bless Ishmael. He shall become a great nation. And they are a great nation. You know why? Because Hagar obeyed. I'm not saying Ishmael obeyed. It is the obedience of the mother to go back and submit to the hand of Abraham and Sarah, of Sarah that brought the blessings of God upon Ishmael. That he materially, materially prospers. And here is a man who has been saved. He had no right to be saved. He should have been not swallowed. He should have been chewed into pieces by that fish. But instead God kept him alive. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. You should be grateful. You need to see this is what happens. Sometimes when we are irritated and displeased and angry and upset, we forget the miracles we have escaped. God has, God has done in our lives. We forget it. 
the one of the biggest fools in the Bible is a guy called Balaam. Who has ever heard a donkey speak? And it is so angry that he's beating the donkey. He's not able to see the miracle right before his eyes. That God is speaking to him through a donkey saying, Prophet, change your ways. Instead, he's so angry. And that's what anger does. It clouds us. It blinds us to who God really is. And it makes us ungrateful. Ungrateful. And that's what happened to our children of a nation that wandered in the desert and perished because they were primarily at the heart ungrateful people. They forgot what God had done for them. Done for them. That's what God is talking about. So the question is, can we rejoice when others are blessed? Especially the people we dislike. Not just with the people we like. What about the people we dislike? I like a statement. Donald Trump Jr. My wife has taught me say Donald. Indians say Donald. Just say Donald. That's the way. So it's tuition is also there happening at me. So I have to pronounce it correctly. Donald Trump Jr. said, I want America to prosper even under Biden. I don't know whether he meant it from his heart. If he did, it's just a fantastic statement. I'm putting nation above people. He's my enemy. He's my father's sworn enemy. But I want the nation to prosper even under him. Think about it. Think about it. We'll be able to rejoice that our neighbors, people we don't like, that's what God is searching your heart. So the Bible says in Second Corinthians thirteen five, examine yourself. The whole, the whole purpose of seeking God is that God will show us what we are like. Examine yourself. Am I really in the faith? Really in the faith? Test yourself. What is the test? Is Christ in you? Why am I angry? Genesis 46. Why am I angry? Ask yourself, what is the cause? Be slow. What does it mean? Process it. Process it. Think it over. Am I angry over others? Or angry over myself? Why am I angry? I'm angry at him. Why am I angry at myself? I'm angry at him. Why are you angry at him? What did he do? What did Abel do? What did he do? He did what was right in God's eyes. Why are you upset with him? If you're upset, you should be upset with yourself. You didn't know. As soon as your sacrifice was not accepted, and that's what happened. Ask Pastor, we just asked, that happens in classroom. Uh, oh, sorry, I only got 40. Yeah, I gave you 40. But she got, what is that? Did you write her answer paper? But she got 45. Her answer is exactly the same. I said, bring both of you. I will show you how it is different. In your eyes, it looks the same. In your eyes, it looks the same. But I will show you the difference between my eye and your eyes. And I say, you can say, oh, but sir, it is only two words. I said, in English, two words make a difference. Because it's grammar.
does make a difference. I served him in a plate and I served him on a plate. It's a whole lot of difference. (laughs) And that's gain. Why are you angry? Your anger is misdirected. Anger is misdirected. If you want to be angry, be angry at yourself. So I didn't do right. You know what? I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do better next time. That's how it I'm going to do better. I'm not looking at his marks or his sacrifice, his offering, his promotion. You know what? I'm going to do right. Because exaltation comes from God. Comes from God. Process it. Proverbs fourteen seventeen. A quick tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of wicked intent. Okay, let's like quick tempered man acts foolishly. Typically, there could be many others in between, but typically the fallen man expresses anger in one of these four ways. Okay. This is the man whom I call the maniac, exploder. His fuse is very short. A quick-tempered man. Like I said, it's at the tip of his nose. Proverbs 22, 24, 25. Did I give it? And if I didn't give it, it's okay. If I gave it, it's okay. Did I give it? Okay. Titus, it's the same thing. Okay. Titus 1. Remember we started all this with Titus? A bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not suitable, not quick-tempered. God says, if I give you a position of authority in the church, one of the first things is that you should not be quick-tempered. I hope to God a person is not listening. My first Sunday school superintendent I removed because I was very quick-tempered. I was just passing on this thing between the church service going to somewhere and I saw the Sunday school teacher shouting at a student. And I said, this person needs to go. Let's go. We cannot be in a position of an authority, even as a parent, position of authority and be quick-tempered because every position of his authority comes from God because he will act foolishly. My sister, who is in, in Dubai, who is a doctor, lords of Pakistanis, Afghanis, they all come to our hospital. No? So she told me, Something long, long back, she said. Something, this Patan came injured, all this thing, and he said, "What happened?" He said, "Madam, I'm doctor, I'm Patan, na, I'm pahle marte hai, fir sochte hai." He doesn't think. He doesn't process it out. No, that's what God says. Quick-tempered man acts foolishly. Be, be careful. Be careful. Leo Tolstoy wrote a beautiful story about two children fighting. Two little children like Joanna, Sarah, small two children were fighting. And suddenly when they were fighting, it became physical. The mothers came out. And before you knew, the mothers pulled and the mothers started fighting. Your child started his own child. Before you know, the entire village is into two sides. Everybody is fighting. The old village headman hears the ruckus and comes over there and stops them and says, okay, 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 fine. Let us go to the root cause. What happened? 
when it start checking more oh, nobody knows the real reason finally comes to the mother and said no her child is very sad her child beat your child your child beat us where are the children they are busily playing <laughs> they forgot everything and the adults are all fighting okay that's what happens Titus 1.7. What does it say? A quick-tempered man. You will abuse that office. You will abuse that office. Huh? First king of Israel was a short-tempered man. He became an angry man. He became a jealous man. You know, jealousy. You know, one of the things, I will honestly tell you, the men sitting over here, one of the things you should never ask God is that, Lord, make me a pastor. Honestly, you know why? Because you need a heart as big as a barn. Because one of the things, if you are called by God and made a pastor, he gives you the spirit of discernment. And you see your sheep the way they are, and you don't want to see that. You don't want to see that. Because you have to love them till the end. And keep loving them. That's what happened to King Saul. He became he didn't actually begin with anger. It you see his problem was he had a if you look at it, if you want to put a psychologically do a psychoanalysis. I'm not doing psychoanalysis, I'm going with scripture. If you look at him, you know what? He he had an inferiority complex. Which became a superiority complex. Because when they when he was picked, he was picked was head and shoulders. Not the shampoo, the other thing, head and shoulders. But when you were there, it was time for him to be looked, he was hiding. So though he was head and shoulders, he had an inferiority complex. Okay. And then he won a few victories. It got into his head. And he blew his own trumpet. Then he built his own monument. You look at Saul. Then he decided, I can offer sacrifice also. And then one simple boy comes in and kills Goliath. Chotu ladka. And the women sang, so David has killed his, Saul has killed his thousands, and David has called his ten thousand. Now you have to look at there and say, oh, it's okay, let them sing. After all, he killed only one. Actually, he only killed one. But that was in this inferiority complex could not allow somebody to rise or look bigger than him. So after that, jealousy got in. And after that, one point agenda, I will destroy this fellow. One way or other. First, I will try righteously. I will offer him the hand of my daughter and tell him to get these many foreskins of the Philistines, thinking the Philistines will kill him. And after I can't do it in a proper way, I will kill him in an improper way. And I will kill anybody who stands in the way, even if it's my own son. Look where to where he went. An angry man sitting on the throne with his spear, not his scepter. He put down the scepter of righteousness of the God of Israel and took up the spear of the devil. And he's trying to kill his own loyal people and even on his son Jonathan. And that's what God is talking about. These are dangerous things. We need to ask the Spirit of God give me a handle on my temper. Because if I don't men may put me on the throne or give me an office but God will not. So God says in my anger I gave you a king and in my Wrath, I took him away. Okay. We don't want that. We don't want that. We don't want that. 
you don't want that. So the first set of people are maniacs, the explorers, short fuse. You know what? Where do you get this term "short fuse" from? No, when they set this, not the bombs, the gelatin, uh, is it gelatin, gelatin sticks, dynamite sticks. No, when they are putting, they have a long fuse. They light and they run. But sometimes the fuse is very small, and you have to throw it. Like the grenade, you have to take the pin off. Once the pin is taken off, you have to throw it. Otherwise, it will blow over you. It will blow you and all your friends also apart. That is basically what angry people do. They hurt themselves and they hurt their homes. The blow saw literally blew his home apart. Well, entire God's plan was to save him through the whole process, become David king, and Jonathan his right hand. God's plan was all fantastic for Saul, because God is always good, even when He judges you. He's good; He cannot be bad. But you know what? He just blew it all away. Literally blew it all away. God says, you know what? You can blow your family away. You can blow your job away. Don't be rash. Don't be rash. People are sometimes so short-tempered and they fight with their bosses and they just walk away. It happened when I was there 25, 20 years ago. And this, another prof who used to teach English, short-tempered person. Okay? And these are people, I was the only one who was there on mission. These are people who are working in this foreign land because they need money to build. And this man is working here. His whole family is dependent. His wife is building a house. His children are in school. One day over something, principal said something in his half. He wrote his resignation through it and he walked off. Where are you going back? And then next day he's sitting there and crying, sir, will you please, because they all knew I had this incredible relationship with the principal, sir, will you go speak, will you go speak, will you go speak. Then I go to this principal and say, sir, let him go. He says, no, I did not like the way he acted. He was arrogant. I'm telling you publicly, you know, what all excuses I had to make. I had to even to go to his anatomy. I said, sir, he has piles, that's why he loses temperature fast. <laughs> What all things I had to say, which is true, he had it. But I told him, sir, you know, he's got this problem, this sickness, he, he's suffering from piles, so every time he sits down, his temper goes up. Did you ask him to sit down in the office? That must be why he lost. I said, finally, he laughed and said, okay, tell him I'm withdrawing his resignation. You just throw away. Throw away. said, pride, offense, short temper, these are all connected. These are all conjugal twins. So you got to deal with pride. Offense will go. Oh, I wrote it down also. This is one of those famous statements of John Bunyan. He that is down need fear no fall. He that is low no pride. And he that is humble shall ever have God as his guide. If you are low, you can't fall. Can't fall. Can't fall. So you have to look at it symptomatically. If I'm a very short-tempered person, you have to say, you know, Lord, the root cause is I'm proud. And I get offended. He's a very self-righteous, proud man, Jonah. He's offended. He's offended because his things, Ninevites, are not worthy to be saved. They're only worthy to be consumed. He's offended because he's proud. And his offense is showing in his temper. So go through this, all these things because it is not about others. It is about ourselves. About ourselves. 
Then there is a second category of people. They are not exploders, they are imploders. A mute. When they get angry, they go to the settings and put it on mute. These are people who do not express anger legitimately. What does the Bible say? Be angry. Ephesians 4.26, be angry. Do not sin. The Bible does not say, do not be angry. Then being mute is okay. That's not okay. You have to legitimately express it. But in the way you express, do not sin. Do not sin. Someone said, I swallowed my anger. Now my stomach hurts. <laughs> you have to be angry. You have to be angry. If you are not angry, the right anger, you are not angry. There is a major issue. That means you are tolerant to evil. The word of God says, Jesus loved righteousness, hated evil. You hate evil. When you see evil around, you should be angry. You now with our CWC, which does the orphanage, this thing and all, they know now. So they're all saying, please, please, please tell sir, please tell sir not to shut it down, shut it down, shut it down. Because I told them very clearly, I'm shutting it down. And I said, why, why does he want to shut it down? I said, because you people always harass me. What you're doing is not inspection. Look at your own homes, which you run with government money. Look at our home and look at our kids. Why do you always come and harass us? If you want data, we'll give you data. But if your entire agenda is to constantly pick on us and harass us when we haven't taken wipe one pie from you, put in our own money and take care of these children, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to shut it down. I'm going to shut it down. Why? What you are doing is not right. What you're doing is not right. Do you think it's just? It's not just. Okay. At the end of the day, you say all these children are government children. Yeah, then take care of them. And if somebody takes care of them better than you, don't harass them. Because they believe differently. So when you see injustice, when you see evil, when you see a trafficking, when you see the abuse of children, when you see all these things, that's what the Bible says, you are not upset. You are not upset. There's something wrong with you. You're not a part of the solution. You're part of the problem. Part of the problem. You're part of the problem. You're not part of the solution. You're part of the problem. Part of the problem. And that's what God is talking about. You have to get angry. But you have to be very careful how you express it. In the process, you do not sin against man. Because man still was made in the image of God. So there are people who are quiet. But they are very angry. No, don't do it. You know what happened? You get offended. It becomes bitterness. It becomes bitterness. The actual word is gall, gallbladder, bitterness. It's not, it's not right. It's not right. You will become like Naomi, angry, self-righteous woman, very angry. And finally she's bitter. And in a bitterness, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, bitter. But you're 
Hannah was also bitter. In the bitterness of her soul, she poured it out before God. God says it's a right and a legitimate way. Pour it before God. That's why the Psalms are so important. Because David is saying, Lord, what the heck is happening with my life? This prophet came, poured some oil on my head and all hell broke loose in my life. Why is this happening? Why is this happening? You know what he's saying? He's pouring out before God. He poured out before God. It's the right place to pour it out. It's before God. And if your spouse is godly, if, if your spouse is godly and mature, then you pour out before your spouse because they won't be offended. They know, okay, he's just venting or she's just venting. Let it go. It's not about me. It's about what they're going through. So don't get upset. But if you don't have a person like that, go to God and pour it out. Don't put the mute button. You will die miserable. You will die a bitter person. And the redemption of God will pass over. The plan or purpose of God will pass over you who are the next kin to Boaz and go to a Moabite about whom God said for 10 generations they cannot come into my presence. It goes over you and picks a person like that and redeems that person. And she's called the grandmother of Jesus, not Naomi. So don't be mute. Learn. Otherwise what will happen? Third set of people. Explode, implode, mute. Third is the martyr. Deep inside they are very angry. But they love throwing pity parties. Poor me, want me. Poor me. That's Naomi. You saw in Ruth the words as I said. I gave it to you. Ruth. Pity party. Never introspecting herself. Never asking. She said, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very... She's actually angry with God. Angry with God. Why are you angry? If you had asked, why are you so upset? Don't you know? I lost my husband. and lost my two sons. Why did God have to do this? Wait a second. Did your husband die in Bethlehem? No. Did your husband die in... Children die in Bethlehem? Where did they die? In Moab. What were you doing in Moab? How do you expect protection in Moab? It's a cursed place, right? If you put your hand in the wash basin and then say my hand got dirty, who is to be blamed? Moab is my wash pot. Why did you go there? You are an Israelite separated from that. No? Why are you upset? But famine, haven't you known your country's history? What God has done in famine? What was there in the wilderness? Didn't he feed your forefathers for 40 years with nothing growing in the wilderness? Don't you have an heritage? Have you forgotten? So famine was a test. Why did you go to Moab? Now you are angry with God and you got a martyr complex. Don't call me Naomi. Please call me Mara. Deep inside they are very angry. Very angry. That's why you need to fast. Because when you fast only the Spirit of God will show you how deceitful your and my heart is. Continuously deceiving ourselves. And the Holy Spirit said, stop there. Lord, why don't you speak to me? I'm speaking. What? I don't hear anything. I only get this thing. You're a false martyr. There are people who die for me and you're pretending you died for me. No, you did not die. You lost because you went after yourself. 
I was such a good wife. I was such a good mother. And I lost everything. Really? Did you lose because you are a good wife? Did you lose because you are a good mother? Then you wouldn't be reacting like that. You would be reacting like Job. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth. The Lord taketh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Understand, these things will come back to bite us. So deal with anger. And the fourth kind is what I call the manipulator. Okay. The exploders, the imploders, the martyr, and the manipulator. That is where we get the great statement. I don't get mad. I get even. <laughs> I don't get mad. I get even. You know whose anger it is? It's the anger of the devil. It's the anger of Ahitophel. I don't get mad. I won't express it. I won't explode. I won't implode. I won't act as a martyr. I will bide my time. I will bide my time. I will wait. Because what I want is revenge. What I want. They have the memory of an elephant. No, elephants don't forget. Elephants don't forget. Is it true? The elephant comes into a village, it eats all everything. But in one village, in one particular house, if somebody has struck him, he will remember it. Next time he comes free, he will come to that house and destroy that house because he hasn't forgotten which house hurt him. And there are people like that. They got a memory bank. They don't express their anger at all. But they are manipulating all their situations waiting for that day. Because if you were really, really upset, Ahitophel, you should have gone to David and said, David, I'm upset with you, King David. What you did was wrong. And David would have said, I'm also really sorry. I did. I applauded before God and before man. I'm not. You didn't say that. You didn't say that. You didn't go and tell everybody, oh, poor me, look at what the king has done to my granddaughter. You didn't do that either. You acted very well all these years in the court. When did David take Bathsheba, your granddaughter, Ahitophel? And when did Absalom become king? How many years have passed by? It is seething inside. The Bible, not the Bible, I think the city's name was Akron. I think Akron or something, I'm not very sure, in the U.S., in one of the cities, which is a coal mining district, one set of teenagers were so angry. So you know what they did? They took a wheelbarrow full of coal, lit it on fire, and put it down the mining shaft. It went all the way down, and it started a fire. The fire burned for years and years and years. The mine had to be shut down. People had to vacate. Some people lost everything because deep inside the fire was still burning. It couldn't be put out. Because one set of teenagers were mad. An entire town has to be evacuated. And everybody loses. It's continuing to burn year after year after year until it finally burns out of its own. That is a hit awful. That is a hit awful. See, when, yesterday when we looked, when God says, forgive from your heart, it is for your and my protection. 
It's not for the other person. It's for the other person. It's for our protection. Because he says, if you don't do, it will destroy you one day. Destroy. That's how it of the manipulator. Acting, 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 acting. David with all the discernment and wisdom and the anointing has no clue. This guy is pretending, biding his time. And the moment Ahitophel hears Absalom has taken the throne, he leaves David and goes to the other side and tells, I will be your counselor and I will tell you exactly how to secure the throne. He's talking about securing the throne, but that's not his intent. His intent is to humiliate David. That's right. Intent is different. He says, secure the throne. You know what? Take ten of your father's concubines. Take them to the rooftop and sleep with them. Idea is that when you take the previous king's concubines, you're securing the throne because even if they have a child, they will be your child. That's why Saul's, God told Saul also, uh, David also, if you wanted, I would give you Saul's concubines. That is why Amnon asked, not Amnon, what's Abhijanada asked for David's concubine. And Solomon said, what does he want the throne? Understand person. So using that as an excuse, outward cover, intention is humiliate your father. Because that's the rooftop from where he looked at my granddaughter. I want the same place. So he's been planning, plotting this for years together. When I get my time, this is exactly how I'm going to do it out. Okay. Exactly what I'm going to do it out. And then he says, this is what you need to do it. When David heard Ahitophel had gone to the other side, he prayed a simple prayer. Lord, would you please turn the wisdom of Ahitophel to foolishness? And God heard his prayer. The simplicity of a man who had humbled himself before God. Understand what can you do? Deep rooted, it is burning inside. The fire hasn't gone out. Years and years have passed by. Years and years have passed by. But you are manipulating. You are manipulating and you are planning and plotting, planning and plotting. It's like the, the, the Yankee in the Chinese restaurant, old days, joke, old days, okay. And he said, he's always called the waiter, he said, hey, chinky, bring my soup. Hey, chinky, bring my soup. Because the chinky is illegal alien over there, he can't say anything, so he'll always serve his soup. One day this man gets saved and he gets convicted. So he comes to the restaurant and says, brother, I'm so sorry, I used to always used to, uh, order my soup and call you chinky. I apologize, forgive me. So Chinese said, I forgive, I no more spit in your soup. He had no clue. The Chinese also, when you are reverently keeping the soup, he had already spat into it. Because deep inside him also fire is burning. You getting the picture? So the first question is always the first question. Why are you angry? What is the cause? What is the cause? Is it bothering you or is it about somebody else? That's Matthew 5.22. What is the cause? James 1.19 Slow to wrath. Slow to speak. Slow to wrath. What does it mean? It means everything you are bothered about is not worth expressing. You let it go, it will go. But you have to let it go. Not let it go, but let it go from your mouth. That's why the Bible says, slow to speak. When you're angry, slow to speak. When you're happy, speak. 
No problem. When you are angry, when you are angry, put a lid on it. You know Ephesians 4.26? It's interesting. Ephesians 4.26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, on your wrath. Right? Now this is, Paul is through the Holy Spirit quoting from Psalm 4.4. It's interesting what it says in 4.4. It looks something contradictory. Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. On this side it seems like don't let the sun go down on anger. This side it says on the other hand, meditate within your heart on the bed. Meaning what is it saying? It's saying let the sun go down. Both you have to put together. What's saying? When you're angry, don't say anything. Sleep over it. Think over it. Is it worth discussing it? Is really actually honestly if you practice it you will realize 99 things of the things you are angry about doesn't even have to be expressed because by next day morning it is gone you have forgotten other person forgotten everything is okay everything is okay that is what the bible says is there a cause is there really a cause and if you sleep on it the thing is that you can discuss the cause without discussing the person are discussing the person. You can discuss the issue. You have slept over it. On the other side it says don't sleep over it. Meaning if you have unforgiveness, let it go. Let go. Don't go to sleep in your anger. On this side it is seeing it's, if it's not worth speaking about meditate about it. Think about it. Is it worth it? Is it really a big thing? Is that who the person is really like? You know that person. Maybe your wife. Maybe your, You know she's not like that. She's not. It's an aberration. That is not the norm. It's an aberration. So why do you want to bring it up? Let it go. Let it go. What are you upset about? Is it upset because your ego was touched? Or there is a genuine reason, cause behind it. That's what the Bible is giving us. Solutions. Think it over. Be still. Don't explode. Don't implode. James 1.20 For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Second thing. If I get angry, what will it produce? Whatever you sow, something has to come, right? What will it produce? Second question. First question, is there a cause? Is the cause worth discussing about? Simple things that happen in normal day. Wife cooks, it gets burned, salt is more. Okay, Is it worth fighting about? No. It's not happening every day. Okay. It's Billy Graham who said, no? Jesus said, uh, uh, you hypocrites, if your ox falls into a ditch on a Sabbath, uh, won't you take your ox out? So he's talking about a missing church. But he says, if your ox is falling into the ditch every Sabbath, you need to examine yourself. That you're missing church regularly, then it means there is some problem. In one one. Once, one way, let us put in the context of a husband or a wife. If every day the food is cooked or burnt, every day there is salt, that means you need to discuss an issue. You are not interested. You are not a homemaker. You are not interested. So that's not what he's talking about. Okay? So you have to look, is there a cause? Second thing, if I get angry, the way I get angry, what I'm getting angry about, does it produce Nazarene? Not Nazarene. Arundhati, I see it. Okay, classroom, I see it. Okay, there's nothing beautiful about Emanuela said, though beautiful hair she has here, okay? Okay. Uh, 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 she has beautiful hair, okay? Yes, honey, you got beautiful hair, okay? Straight, beautiful hair, okay? Uh, 
Does it bring about the righteousness of God? Even children fight among themselves. Even they get angry. One day, I remember years back, I think it was this one, I'm not sure. She was sitting there and crying in front of uh, the church after service. I was sitting there crying. I said, what happened? You fell down or nothing? What happened? All the others said, we will live. they will not talk to me. They are one gang, you know, one gang they are. And everybody said, no, they will not talk to me. Sitting there crying. I said, come, come, I'll take you. Grandpa will take you. Tall made peace and said, why did you say? No, we were only joking. Yes, even people. So the simple thing is that even children need to ask. All of you are insensitive. You all cry. So do you, when you play and you, when you get angry, do you say, we will never let you play again with us. Be careful about your words. You don't say stuff like that. You are one family. Is it what? Is it what? Does it bring about the right? Because by now you have learned scripture pretty well. And you should also learn, if I say this, if I do this, does it bring about the righteousness of God? Or does it bring about my own righteousness? Questions to be asked. Think it over. Ephesians 4, 26, 27. Nor give place to the devil. What does it mean? If I get angry, does it give God's enemy, therefore my enemy, a foothold in my life? These are questions you need to ask. Does he get a foothold into my life? I remember my old illustration. Husband and wife who has fought and they haven't made up and they're fighting still, but silent fight is going on. And they're both in the same bed, backs to each other, praying in tongues. And in the middle, the devil is speaking and enjoying the conversation. He says, I can't understand what they're saying in tongues, but I enjoy there is rest in this house because they haven't made peace. He found a toehold in the house, in your life. You need to ask yourself. These are the questions you need to ask. Did you invite the enemy in? It's a direct invitation. Direct invitation. That's why God is talking to, to Cain. Why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do right, won't you won't be accepted? Sin is crouching at the door. But you must master sin. If you don't master sin, sin will master you. Sin does not master him. He does not master sin because he doesn't listen to God's advice. And Diabolos gets him and tells him, your brother is at fault. Kill him. And it becomes his brother's murderer. When we were supposed to be our brother's keeper, we become our brother's murderer. Simple reason is you were offended, you were angry, you didn't deal with it. And what happens? You get tormented. Because like, uh, because like uh, Cain, you don't have a quick finish. You cannot kill your brother off like that. So you kill him with words, you kill him with thoughts, and you are tormented. You know how many people are tormented stupidly because they don't let go and they are, these thoughts are being like a cassette being replayed over and over and over and over in their minds. And verse 30 of that same chapter, what happens? And in the process, we allow the devil in and we grieve the Holy Spirit. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? Because by our action, one of the primary ways by our action, let me tell you this very clearly, don't ever misunderstand this and think it does not happen. The Spirit of God is residing in our spirit. And when we 
allow the devil to get in. You've brought the devil and the Holy Spirit into one house. The Holy Spirit won't leave because you had sealed with the Holy Spirit, but you invited the demonic in. And you grieve the Holy Spirit because something that is unholy has come in. It's not in your spirit, it's in your soul, it's in your mind, in your thought. For once, you have to ask these questions. These are important, life-changing questions. And the fourth one before I close, you have to ask is that, is revenge? Romans 12, 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourself. Rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. That was the problem with Ahitophel. When you are angry and you refuse to let go, you will not make peace. You need to look into your mind and ask, what are the thoughts that are going? Are you wishing for revenge? Are you wishing ill on that person? Remember, there is only one person who has the authority to take revenge. That is God. Even the criminal court that sentences a man to death is dispensing justice and not vengeance. Even the courts do not have the right to dispense vengeance. They don't have. They have only the right to uphold justice. Right, Deepika? Not vengeance. No, they judges can go wonky, but I'm telling you the law. The purpose of the law is to uphold justice. There is only one who can do vengeance. God says, vengeance is mine. And the minute you are angry, and you won't let go of your anger, because what you want is vengeance, you become God. That's what happened to Ahitophel. Nobody can sit in that seat. Nobody can sit in that seat. For God says, vengeance is mine. James 2.10 For whoever shall keep Yeah, let's go to uh, James 2.10 10, 11, 12, where? Yeah, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. He will lift you up. Do not speak evil of one another, brother. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law. See, we don't kill like Abel, uh, Cain did Abel. We don't kill with weapons, stones. We kill with words. But God says, when you do that, you have taken the law into your own hands. You have already judged. That he's a criminal. She's a criminal. You're already judged. What are you doing? When you, you speak evil of the law and judges the law, you're basically saying, you know what? There is no justice and God is not just. I have to take the law into my own hands. You judge the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law. You are a judge. And God said, you're not a judge. I'm the only judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy? Who are you to judge another? Are you getting the picture what God is talking about? Because if you are not angry, if you are not offended, uh, you will not talk ill about anybody. You will not talk about ill about anybody. 
will already discuss an issue. You will not talk ill about anybody. But if you talk ill about anybody, that means deep inside there is an issue. And when you have an issue, when you talk, you have passed judgment. When you pass judgment, you are not a doer of the law. You are a dispenser of the law. You have taken God's position. And God says, that's a hot seat to sit in. That is a hot seat to sit in. That is what happened to Ahitophel. The end of it. Second Samuel. Because in 2, 10, 11, 12, that place God says, if you show judgment without mercy, if you discipline, you want to sit in my seat? Try it, he says. You know what happened? You will never be able to because I dispense mercy first. Mercy, 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 mercy. Only when the cup is full, I dispense justice. Judgment. You can't do that. You don't even know that. So don't sit on that judge. Sit. On the other hand, if you sit on that seat and judge and plot, plan, murder, you know what will happen? What happened in Second Samuel? Yeah, I gave you. I didn't give you? Second Samuel 17.23. I didn't give you. Okay, it's okay. It's okay. It doesn't matter. You know what? Ahitophel went home. It's yeah. Ahitophel saw that his advice was not followed. He was offended. Now, as he was offended with the father, now he was offended with the son. Because I'm the wisest man in the city. So what? Counsel is free. The king can take it or reject it. He didn't take my. He saddled a donkey, a rose, and went. He, why did he go? You know that. You know what? I have failed. I have failed. Now you know what will happen. Ahitophel will not win. He knows David will win. And he misunderstood David. Now you know what David will do? He will execute me. I don't want to be publicly hanged. You know what? I will die myself by my own hand. Went home to his house, to his city. Then he put his household in order and hanged himself. You know why? Because he thought vengeance is mine. God said, vengeance is not yours. Because with the same measure you judge, I will measure you back with the same. You wanted to kill him with your own hand. Instead, you will die by your own hand. Same measure. Same measure. These are absolutely solid truths in the Bible. You cannot skirt it. You cannot run over it. And anger is a killer. It's a killer. You deal with anger, I let me tell you, you know, you can avoid hospital visits. Honestly. Anger, worry, fear, anxiety, and keep forgiving. You lead a very healthy life. Very healthy life. Because everything Many, many, other than, other than natural contact, illness, other than, most diseases have a spiritual root. And God says his word is health for the whole man's body. The whole man's body. And this is his word. It brings healing. And you have to do it during the season. Ask God, Lord, show me. Show me. Like I said, the mother of all sins is iniquity is pride. It's because Ahitophel is so upset, not because the king took his daughter granddaughter, because it hurt his pride, his name. That's why he's upset. So you need to realize, sometimes you're angry for the right thing, but the motivation is completely different. Of course, what David did is wrong. David should have never done it. But the problem is you're not angry because of that. Because if that was the reason, then you would be angry when any man's woman is taken. 
Because it happened to my child, I'm so angry. You are angry only because it was your child. You are not angry because when something it happens to another person's child, you sit there and say, maybe the father did something, that's why the child is suffering like that. You see, your heart is different. If your heart was truly righteous and you were upset about injustice, when you see the injustice being played out around, you would have the same kind of anger and says, you know what, I am going to get into my prayer closet and ask God, intervene. If he uses me as a vessel to intervene, then I will. Otherwise, your anger is false. It's only because it touched you. It touched you. That is what fasting does. It reveals our heart. It reveals actually, you know, the, the, the worst thing fasting can reveal. First, you know, it's like going to a doctor who prescribes surgery. The first thing he tells you is the bad news. The first thing about the gospel is bad news. What? You are evil, you are wicked, you are headed to hell. Then gives the good news. If you believe on Jesus, you can escape. The first thing about fasting, it shows you the depravity of your heart. Then God says, put it away. I'll show you mercy. I'll show you mercy. I'll show you mercy. And I will teach you how to replace it. Final words for today. I don't want to stop without that. Ephesians 4, 31, 32. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away with all malice. What does it mean? We have to do it. God will not tell us to do something which we cannot do. Oh Lord, I'm most holy, speak with a special anointing. Put it. God says, bunk up, you can put it away. If you want to, you can put it away. You can put it away. Like you put it on, you can put it away. So solution is, is put it away. And the problem with every one of us that we put it away and do, don't do the rest. Young people flee youthful lust and then pursue. They don't pursue. They don't pursue. So we will say, Pastor, I'm struggling, I'm fasting, I'm doing this. Okay, 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 all that is good. But did you do this? The other side. Put it away and be kind to one another. That is the thing. Be kind. Be kind. Put it away. Practical. Practical. 10 years, 11 years, 12 years, we don't know. If it was at the age of 17 that David was being chased by Saul, it was at the age of 30, he is free. 13 years of your life. Prime. Prime life. Right? How do you put it away? You put it away. And you pursue. Is there anybody in the household of Saul to whom I can show mercy? Pick that household itself. Can I show you something? Can I be kind to somebody here? The fellow is terrified because every king kills the other fellow. I am a dead dog, he says. Give to him back everything that was his father's. And he will sit at my table like my one of my own sons. You know, practically that man did it. So there was nothing in his heart. No anger, no resentment, anything against Saul or his household. For all the pain he went through, nothing. Do you know what he did? He put away bitterness, he put away wrath, he put away anger, clamor, evil speaking. He put it away. And you know what he did? He was kind. He was tender-hearted. He was forgiving. As God in Christ forgave us. That's the main thing. How did God forgive us? Everything. Everything. Nothing left. Completely, the Bible says, 
blotted out our sins. The requirements of the law blotted it out. We need to read the law, then only we'll appreciate grace. You know what the law says? And the law is true. The law is not false. The law says eye for an eye. Tooth for a tooth. You take your neighbor's ox and kill it, the neighbor gets your ox. You read the law. That is justice. Do you want that? But that's what we deserved. And God said, I showed you mercy. I forgave you. In Christ, I forgave you of everything. Now God says, now forgive. Then you will be able to hear from me how to handle the issues. Issues are not forgotten. Personalities are. Issues have to be handled. I will guide you. I will lead you. I will show you. I will give you supernatural wisdom, supernatural victory. And you see the victory after victory after victory after victory. Look at the three kings of Israel, the first three. Saul was hemmed in by the Philistines, unable to move anywhere. Solomon had not had to fight any battles. David won all his battles. All his battles he won. Not a single battle he lost. You know why? Because before every battle, he went and asked God, what should I do? God spoke to him and said, this is how I will lead you. Because the meek and the humble, he leads, he guides, he speaks. Therefore, you don't lose. You win. You win. So benefits are fantastic. Benefits are fantastic. We will be able to hear from God. We will hear and we will know this is what God wants from me. I know it's been long, but we are finishing the year. Next Saturday is Christmas. And the Saturday after that is New Year. So this is our last Saturday meeting. I have to finish it off for the year because we have still got two weeks of fasting left. Don't pray for your breakthrough. I'm not saying don't pray at all. Let it be later. Ask Lord, examine me. As David had, Lord, examine, search me. If there is any presumptuous ways in me, search my heart, Lord. Because you know what? I cannot trust my heart. I cannot trust my heart. I can only trust what you say about my heart. Because you search the hearts of all men. I don't stretch my heart. I don't trust my mind. I don't trust my feelings. I don't trust anything they say. But what you say about them, I will believe. Because you are true. And there is no deceit in your mouth. That is why we need to hear from, from us, from God. Otherwise we will think we are okay. When we are not okay. We are not okay. God has to tell us. So use this season. Another two weeks to season. Really go before God and search. God will. And don't get upset when God shows us who we are. He will deflate us. And the ego has to be deflated. Deflate. Like they did in, in uh, UK yesterday. There was one off election for one of the seats in the conservative seats. Which Boris, Yeltsin, Boris Johnson's party. The conservatives have never lost in 200 years. And they lost it by a landslide yesterday. So there is shockwaves in Britain. Because if you do the stupid things you are doing with curtailing the freedom of the people, they will come after you. You have never lost it for through and 200 years. And they lost it after 200 years. So the lady who won, final when the result was a discretion, she put a balloon, wrote on it Boris Johnson and pricked it. Pricked your bubble. Burst your bubble. So when you go before God, be prepared for your bubble to be burst. 
Oh Lord, this was a fantastic year. I thank you, Lord. You'll be like the Pharisee. I thank you, Lord. Fantastically, you led me. I am so happy with my ministry. Wait a second. You're talking to me or you want me to talk to you? He's kind. He's very kind, tender. He will like the Ephesus church. He will say, yeah, I liked your ministry. You're good here. You were regular attend. You handle doctrine everything. But you know, let me tell you, you have fallen. You don't change. The lampstand is going to go away. It's going to go away. You will not have light. Okay. So, give us hearing ears, oh Lord, to hear from you. Not from man, from here, from you. Next year will be fantastic. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you. I thank you, Father. Though it was long, your children were patient. Even the little ones were patient. I thank you, Lord, for our little ones, Lord. Really thank you, Father. Where in the world will we have little ones like this who can sit for hours together, undisturbed and listening to the word of God? Nowhere, nowhere, except, except, Lord. They are trained by your spirit. I thank you for all our little children, Lord. Bless them and keep them. Around the world who are listening, been listening. Help us to spend time on our face before you. And have the boldness to say, search my heart, Lord. And cleanse me of everything that defiles, everything that upsets you, that upsets, grieves you. That we are able to get rid of all these things. And not grieve your spirit. For much is promised in the days to come. For those who walk with you. Touch your people, Lord. Touch us, all of us, Lord. We all need to examine ourselves constantly. So we can enter into 2022 with a clean plate. Before you, not before man. Before you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Be with us, go before us, the practice, the Q&A, everything we commit into thy hands. Be with all your children, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.